Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers with Janet and Tom on WMNF, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is the skillful John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation, you can call us at 813-239-9663 and John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813 433 0885. Today's Wavemaker is Celeste Roberts, president and CEO of the Skills Center, a nonprofit organization founded 15 years ago to improve the educational outcomes, economic prospects, and life options for young people through sports. She's spearheading the construction of a new $23 million state of the art youth center in East Tampa, scheduled to open later this year. Welcome, Celeste. Thank you so much for having me. That new building isn't far from where the annual Martin Luther King Day Parade is held each year in the heart of Tampa's black community. Tom and I, along with other WMNF volunteers, walked in yesterday's parade, and it was a glorious day, a beautiful day, both, both weather-wise and vibe-wise at the, at the parade. There were so many happy people gathered to remember the late Martin Luther King Jr. And I talked to some of the parade goers and uh, parade participants about what MLK Day means to them. Um, let's hear some of those voices. And what's your name? Vida. And tell me about being here today. Why do you think this is an important day to celebrate? Um, I feel like MLK should be honored um, because we've accomplished so much throughout these years. He's made such a big difference in our lives. Um, today we're standing in a line with American Caucasians, African Americans, Hispanics, and everyone's getting along, harmonizing, enjoying music and food together, and it's just a blessing. Dina Davis. Um, well, I'm a part of the Black Billionaire Institute, and I was uh, invited by Miss Pam to come here, but the reason why I want to be here is because who doesn't want to celebrate some, such a revolutionary part of our culture, American culture. Um, I think it's so important that WMNF has partnered with the community in the way that they have to bring back the unity, the diversity, and just love on each other the way that we're doing. The vibe right now, if you're not here, you are missing out, honestly. So I hope to see everybody on the parade, but if you didn't make it this year, you better mark it on your calendar for next year. What's your name? DeMonte. And um, what are you doing here today? I am going to ride the horses in the parade. Um, what does Martin Luther King Jr. Day mean to you? It means that we're going to like celebrate the day of the blacks in the world. And he, what do you know about Martin Luther King Jr.? That he wanted everything to be fair. Why are you here today? You're going to watch the parade? Yes, ma'am. Do you come every year? Yeah, yeah, ma'am. And what does this day mean to you? What do you? What does Martin Luther King Jr. mean to you? Uh, like it just make me happy to shit. Because. Yeah. Because like like to see everybody, everybody um to see everybody just having a good time to shit. Yeah. 
It's positive. Everybody come together, have fun. So you get the day off of school today? Do you like it because of that? Yes, ma'am. My name is Pamela Robinson. I'm here with WMNF8815. Martin Luther King Jr. is an inspiration. He's a man that had a dream and he struggled and, and his dream is alive. And he left a legacy that we want to continue and want to celebrate what he's done. We want to keep his dream moving forward. Celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day in with the community. It's the best way to celebrate. And you see people in the crowd that you haven't seen in years. You make new friends. Everyone just is excited and happy. And we have a lot of local people who have um, set the food areas so the people in the community can purchase food from the vendors in the neighborhood. So those were just a few of the voices from yesterday's MLK Day parade in East Tampa. And it was really um, a festival, a community festival where there were people in the community together and vendors out there selling food and could taste some local uh, restaurant fare. It was great. And Celeste, many of the kids that we saw along the parade route are the kinds of kids your organization is trying to help. So um, tell us what motivated you to start the Skills Center, which was... 15 years ago, I believe it was started. It was. Started in 2007. And what really um, inspired myself, um, John Arroyo and Chris Ward, were all co-founders of it, is our participation in a Department of Labor grant called Youth Opportunity that was here in Tampa from 2000-2005. Been a non-for-profit for over 30 years. It was the best model I'd ever seen, the most successful program ever and um, really helping young people um, to be promoted on time, to be placed in college, full-time employment, vocational training, or the military. And um, that program came to an end because of funding. Okay. And um, it was a $24 million endeavor. Chris, John, and I, we didn't have $24 million. But what we really did have was really the desire to do something to continue the work. And so for the last 15 years, we have utilized one strategy that we used in Youth Opportunity to recruit young, um, to recruit kids to participate with us. Um, this program was different because it was individualized. Most programs are um, a variety of kids who come into your program, they move in a group, right? All kids get all services. This program was very different. It was, it was very, what do Celeste need in order to be successful, mm-hmm. right? Very individualized. That's totally, it's, it's not what non-for-profits do. Um, and it's not the way funders usually fund, right? And so to be able to um, receive the experience from Youth Opportunity, the roadmap from Youth Opportunity, um, seeing the young people who are now 37, 38, 39, they're thriving, Mm-hmm. Um, they travel with their kids around the world. Their kids have passports. They are they own their own businesses. Um, they're executives. Uh, they're married. Right? They are thriving, and that's what we wanted to return back to. So when we had the opportunity that presented itself in 2020, we took that to really fully return back or reimagine mm-hmm. the opportunity in the new facility that we're creating. So that's the big news, actually, lately, is that you, we can go back and talk a little bit about the past, but you just recently got a $3 million federal grant that you'll be using to build your own building, because you, in the past, you have been mobile and wherever you can be. We really have. Um, 15 years, we bartered. 
To be honest with you, we barter for space. Um, we created space um, or programs in the school district, and we would provide our after-school programs at particular schools. Um, for the last, let's see, um, probably from 2016 to 2020, we actually leased a facility, um, but the owners wanted their property back for something else. And so then that, again, such a bad feeling. And then we just said we just can't. We cannot sustain an organization if we do not have a foundation or a solid place for us to be. So specifically what you were doing was going into schools um, and doing tutoring and training and helping them. So we actually had a, an entire after school program. We use a model called Sports Plus, positive learning using sports. This model is used across the globe um, and it really is focused on social change. Our social change is education and then pro-social behavior, life skills, leadership skills. And so we were going in providing after-school programs at different school sites, uh, also serving as an enhancement services to other organizations programming. And then from um, 2016 to 2020, we actually had a full functioning facility, about 18,000 square feet, um, that we were housed in, um, and so we provided a variety of different programs there as well. Were you still going into the schools as well? Are you, oh, yes. Yeah, because it, uh -huh. sometimes it's probably hard for kids to get to the center, right. wherever you're located. And we, and we probably still will go into schools because it's just a different way of um, serving young people. Sometimes we're able to go in through, during the school day depending on funding, depending on department, program, um, for example, um, the school district project promise, that particular department or funding, you go in during the school day. It's not an after school, right? Mm -hmm. So it really just depends. I think for us, we want to meet kids where they are. And what will you be doing with this $3 million grant? And I have to say, $3 million, that's mm -hmm. a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but when you think of the scheme, uh, um, if when you put it in context, too, our project is $23.5 million. That's less than 15% of our total budget, right? Um, and I'm very happy about that because it's never our goal to get funding from one particular source. I think it limits what you can do in your capacity. Um, but this will go towards our project, the construction part and everything that we need within the facility, helping us to get those types of things. So this is really construction, capital, and then um, items, furniture, equipment, those types of things, all that we need. Um, and then that's a $23.5 million project. Right in the heart of, of East Tampa. It was, uh, yes. I mean, the uh, parade yesterday, the MLK parade, mm -hmm. ended at Middleton High School. And the skill center is going to be located right next to right it. Right next to it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. that offers some opportunities for you as well to bring kids in. Most definitely. Directly from the neighborhood? Most definitely. And I think um, the way that we see ourselves is, uh, as we are located within the community is how do we complement what's happening at Middleton High School or the other, there's about um, six or seven middle schools that's in our area within a two to three mile radius, right? Mm -hmm. How do we complement what our kids are already receiving? And we've already had great conversations with Middleton on how we can do that. And, and what are the problems that you're trying to solve with the skill center? What, what are your, your, your main targets here? Okay, so we have three problems we're trying to, to, to solve. One is education. When you look at um, the data, minority um, kids, young people, especially African Americans, are at the bottom level. The number of kids who are um, 
The graduation rates? Right, disconnected to school or work, and then also the graduation rate, the dropout rate, right? When we look at that, that's something that has to be addressed. And that's not just the skill center saying this. There was a um, 2020 um, equity report provided through the Tampa Bay Partnership mm-hmm. um, Regional Report, and it just really confirmed what we knew, right? So when you look at education, could we be doing more to address this. And if we have been doing the same thing for years as a society, we have to do something different. And what we know is Youth, uh, um, youth Opportunity, the program I talked about previously, had very high um, results or outcome around education. Um, then our second piece is really looking at work, right? It's important that education ties into your ability to work and at what level and what um, salary Right. Or wages mm-hmm. you can make it has an impact on that. So how do we train young people, give them exposure to different careers? And it's very different from the time that I think that maybe that we when we were young, the way we looked at um, careers. Right. There's so many different things. But how do we give young people access to that? That's what we'll be focusing on and addressing that because our kids are disconnected again to work. And then the, the last piece is really not what we do, but it's a very important piece of that. Education also impacts health. Mm-hmm. Right? In, in the African-American community and Hispanic community, there is um, health disparities. But then when we look at mental health, Right. That's that's super important to us. And we know that education, again, education leads to the type of um, employment or jobs or the wage that you can make, which provides the dollars that you need to access health in a sense. Right. To be able to pay for it. Um, So for us, health must be just health is just as important as the education in the Mm -hmm. employment piece. And if your health is not together, that you can't be your own. You can't be the person or the potential that you have to go into the workforce mm-hmm. in a sense. And so and we'll it's hard to learn three. if your physical and mental health are not up to par. It's hard to Definitely. learn as well. Definitely. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF. We're speaking with Celeste Roberts, president and CEO of the Skills Center, a nonprofit organization. They'll be opening a new facility in East Tampa. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can call us at 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three, or email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. And Celeste, you talked about how it, the programs, a lot of the programs are sports-based. Is that correct? Um, not all of our programs. Okay. We use sports as a strategy. Okay, so and tell so, me about that. What okay. does that mean? All right, so basically what that means is that we have young people who come to us from a variety of different reasons. Some might come because they want to participate in sports. Others might come because they're looking for the social um, interaction that they can get. Um, and some are just coming for like a safe place, right? So people come for different reasons for us. We are a sports-based youth development organization, which really only means that we intentionally teach kids through sports. And so if you come to us, we're teaching you through the sport. And then we're teaching you how to transfer what you learn in, in an environment that you like, say basketball. And we're showing you how to transfer that and how to take it into the classroom, your home, or your work. What would that look like? So when we think about values, we can teach a young person um, integrity, work ethic, uh, responsibility through a sport. And then our goal then is to show them how do you take those values and how do you apply that in math class? 
mm-hmm. at school. Relationship building is a great piece, again, through sports. Kids understand the hierarchy on a court, right? Who the referee is, who the, um, the coach is, and the players. It's no different when you take it into a school, who the principal is, who the teachers are, and then their peers, right? How do, you, how do we teach these social skills, life skills, pro-social behavior? We simply teach it through a particular sport. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't play sports, that's fine because we teach them outside of that as well. But our goal really is just to engage kids in the environment in which they're open to learning. And then we are very intentional about that. So we will not just roll out a ball and say, go play. That doesn't happen for us. It's very intentional about what it is that we do. And who's running the programs? You, you've got three founders, but is there a paid staff? Is it all volunteers? How do you make no, all this happen? No, definitely not the three of us. So, <laughs> so we do have staff. We also contract out. and then. But the biggest piece of what it is we do are volunteers. How yeah. many volunteers? What's the um, size of your volunteer over force? The, so we have currently eight staff, um, but we probably utilize at this very moment probably about 80 volunteers. 80 volunteers? Right? hmm That helps us throughout our organization. And that's kind of post-COVID. Pre-COVID, it was about 150 volunteers that we utilized. Um, and that really helps us. It, it definitely, they're definitely valued because we could not do what we do. And what do the volunteers that. do? Are they tutoring, doing the, the yeah. coaching? or Yeah, so all of that. So in the Skills Center, everyone is a coach because kids listen to coaches, mm-hmm. right? So are you an academic coach? That's our tutors. Are you um, a, a life skills and leadership coach? Or are you an athletic coach? Right. And so we kind of serve all three. And but again, a coach is just it's again, it's it's so much deeper than just seeing us. It it really does play into how kids learn, how they interact with um, adults. Right. We have to make sure that we put caring adults in front of our kids, that we're creating the right environment for our kids to learn and thrive. Mm -hmm. And then we have a very intentional focus on each individual child. And while we talked about youth opportunity and really having an individual way of how we serve kids, we do look at kids individualized, right? So if a kid needs something, we're looking at what is it that they need. And let's try to figure that piece out, right? Because that's a part of overall how we make sure that our kids are promoted on time and they get to graduation. So you mentioned life skills. Can you mm-hmm. can you elaborate on life skills? Because I find that uh, really so, uh, mm-hmm. some children might be doing well in math class, but there are other uh, challenges that they're facing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what kind of life skills they're yeah. learning? Yeah, so um, I think the most um, common ones that we utilize is that we focus on what we consider to be values, and it really depends on the age. So, um, so when we talk about like character, respect, responsibility, those types of things, that's what we're talking about when we say how we teach life skills. But then, if you are three to five, we have a program for three to five year olds. Mm. Never thought we would be there, but three to five year olds, and we teach them pro social behavior, the skills they need in order to get into kindergarten. Like they would use that once they get into kindergarten. So what does that look like? They believe that they're learning how to play basketball, but in actuality, they're learning how to follow direction, how to speak one at a time, how to follow the rules, um, how to ask for help. Like these are all the pro-social skills they need as they come into the classroom, but we're teaching it in a fun environment. Again, you're Constantly hear me say that fun environment piece. So it's, it, in some ways, it's discipline. You're teaching them how to it, be a little more disciplined. It is it comes because to life. you 
Well, because you need that as you kind of maneuver life, right? And and I think the most important part of it for us is that what we teach are transferable skills. You can learn it in one environment. And if we understand that you have it, you can take that with you anywhere you go and you can apply it in a different environment. And you have some ambitious goals, right? I mean, I, I one of your goals is 100% graduation rate for all your participants. Why not? Right. Why, yeah. high, Why right? can't we do that? Why? And, 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 and how are you doing on that? Um, so for us, we're, we haven't had a problem with that for, for us um, since we started. So for us, it really is looking at what is it that's preventing that child from thriving and then finding a solution. I'll give you an example. Um, we have second graders. This is usually where we see African-American boys have trouble in reading. It's mm-hmm. in second grade, right? So they are promoted to third grade because they don't keep you back in second grade. So you're promoted to third grade, and that's where they're going to catch you. And if you're going to fail, that's where you're going to fail, right? So what is our goal? Our goal is to have a, um, the young person not um, receive group tutoring. They need very individualized, one-on-one, pinpoint to what is the issue. And then we're going to drill down on that issue. And our goal is for you to be promoted to the fourth grade. And how do these kids find your program? Or or put another way, how do their parents find your program? You know, the, the best um, recruiters for us are other parents, to be honest with you. Um, we do... I guess now we're more in social media, right? Mm-hmm. But before then, we really, we don't advertise in that form. Our parents are really our biggest recruiters. And when we go into schools, right? When we go into a school, the administration, the administrators, the teachers, they are really um, targeting the kids that need the help that we can, you know, the services that we can help them with, right? And so that's really, so I would say if we're in the school, it's very targeted to the kids that's in that particular school. But if you're in a, in our community programs, our parents are the biggest recruiter for us. Um, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and our guest is Celeste Roberts, CEO of the Skills Center. Um, and we will be right back after this. Every Friday at 2 p.m., it's Live Music Showcase here on WMNF. I'm your host, Ken Apperson. It's a deep dive show. We dig into the message behind the music through song and interview. We have your new favorite bands from right in your own backyard. Listen to Live Music Showcase every Friday at 2 p.m. after the news headlines. Well, hello. This is DJ Spaceship reminding you that every Sunday at 9 p.m., tune into the Righteous Temple of Hip Hop. Music with a message. With the Temple crew and be inspired. The Righteous Temple of Hip Hop. More than just music. It's inspiration. Lots of good music on WMNF. Just some of the great programming you can get on this community-sponsored commercial-free station, powered by volunteers like us, people like you who support the station. Please show your support by going to WMNF.org and hitting the tip jar to make a donation. Um, and you are listening to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, and our guest is Celeste Roberts, CEO and founder of the Skills Center in Tampa. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the new facility that you're moving into. It's um, you said it's near Middleton. High, well, when is going to be? It's going to be done at the end of this year. We're thinking. Knock on something. We hope so. At the end of next, this year. <laughs> so the goal is for it to be done by um, October, end of October. So we're hoping that we stay on track. 
in them, you know, we have to give a little bit of the environment that we're in. And Construction projects are always questionable, right? Yes. Now. And you're in East Tampa, which is very near here, near to the WMNF uh, stu- mm-hmm. uh, studios, and it's in a former skating rink, is that former correct? skating rink, yeah, the Stardust Skating Rink. And is it just you're gutting the inside, or is it we're tear actually, down? Um, so we are preserving the skating rink, and then that's 35,000 square feet, and we're adding um, to that another 20,000 square feet. So when we're done, it'll be a 55,000 square feet facility. Is there going to be skating there? Or? There will not be oh, any skating, okay. unfortunately. That was an important part of the community, I understand, for, for many years, right? It was a gathering place. and the- That's what I heard, yes. Um, I wasn't here in Tampa at that time. Um, this facility has looked the same way that it does now for the last 20 years. It's just been sitting there empty, it's been sitting, under, underutilized. Except for October, November, and December. It's a Christmas tree distribution uh, location. Um, but, so the yeah. city must be excited about that. I, I, I understand Mayor Jane Castor was at your groundbreaking in November. You know, I would, is, think, I would think the, I would think, um, the mayor, city council, the residents within the community all would like to see this um, location change since changed into something that could benefit not only the community when you look at the economic impact of that, but then also for um, the residents, not just for East Tampa, because we'll serve the whole county. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, the county also supports this project as well. So I think it's, it's a great resource for young people in our city. So and, and you go into schools all over the county too. So you just happen to be located in East Tampa. Yeah. So what what we're going to focus on are the zip codes that need the most help. Right? Okay. So for us, that's three three six ten five four seven twelve and three. And what are you basing that on? Is it what what data are you using to determine those zip codes? So um, really, for us, it's where the schools lie, and that's Title One. So Title I is um, a high number of um, individuals that are on free and reduced lunch. Uh, we also look at um, communities defined as economically disadvantaged communities, and that really helps us. We understand that we are only one facility. We cannot serve the entire schools, all the schools in our county, right? So um, the other kids would have to get to us. But individuals in those communities will have transportation that can help them get to us, and then they can walk to us. That's another thing about being inside of a community is that... um, So that's why this location helps, is that you're going to be actually within walking distance of their homes and their schools. We're on a bus line. Okay. Between I-4 and 275. The location was important because... The way that we think of things is that we have to we have to have access for young people and families to get to us if we cannot get to them and bring them to us. And what are some of the special features that will be in this new building? We were talking a little bit before we went on the air about you're actually going to have like a studio for um, esports and AI and virtual reality and super high tech. Tell us how yeah. that came about and why that's something that you're going to be offering these kids. So I'm super excited about this facility and I'll start by saying is that um, we want a state-of-the-art facility and we want the services to be the very best. And so we are really looking at what we bring into the facility to help us meet our mission um, around education, health, and workforce training. But then also how do we expand uh, or, or provide access. So the eSports um, arena, it's called 8 to eight, eight to 80 Zone. 8 is Steve Young. 80 number is Jerry Rice. 
Every, two football players. Two football players. So whenever um, a Super Bowl comes into a city, um, the Steve Young Forever Foundation selects a non-for-profit to give an 8 to 80 zone. So that's eSports, that's virtual reality, that's AI. We'll add in coding and robotics. So really, that really is the STEM or STEAM section of mm-hmm. our facility. But also inside the facility is a academic cafe. This is where tutor and ACT uh, prep, is offered. There's a health hub that has a um, demonstration kitchen. So how we talk when we talk about health and health oh, okay. disparities, we also are talking about health and nutrition as well. There's a workforce um, partner that will come into our facility as well to help us provide that workforce um, exposure piece of the work that we do. There's a fitness room because we're talking about health, so we must give young people access to that as well. Um, and then there's training spaces inside of the facility, office spaces. There's five organizations total that's moving into the facility. So that's um, um, Men of Vision, G3, GEMS, um, the Youth Services for CDC of Tampa, and then Skill Center. So we'll all move into this facility. And then there is three basketball courts, and mm-hmm. there is what we're calling a multi-sport space slash event space. And that's really where we can do training, group um, health, fitness classes. And when we're not using it for ourselves, that's an event space. It could hold up to 500 people with tables and chairs. And the esports component is kind of interesting. We were talking about this before we went on the air, that that is an area where there's a lot of activity. There are esports teams. You can get a scholarship to go to college mm-hmm. using esports. And, you know, gone are the days where you would be like you're wasting your time in front of the Definitely. the screen. You're actually, this is a whole industry that probably a lot of kids um, in that community don't have access to because they may not have internet. They may not have a decent computer and they can actually, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a sports kind of a thing too, correct? Right, right. I, you know, definitely. I think we look at it as... Um, a, a non-traditional sport in a sense. But esports is projected to be a $5 billion industry. So we must get our kids in or we're going to be behind and I already feel like we're behind, right? So not only are we trying to provide access and opportunity to them, because I believe like African-American or minority kids, they are great consumers of esports. They mm-hmm. know how to play the games. They love the games, right? But do they look at it as an, um, an opportunity, Right. An opportunity for college mm-hmm. for a scholarship, um, an opportunity for jobs to work in something that you love to be around. Every game is designed by someone. The music behind it, someone wrote the script behind mm-hmm. that. Right. So many different careers behind that. How do we expose our kids and use esports as a career exposure piece as well for us? And then you're going to have the coding Component too, so right. you're really getting down to teaching that that mm-hmm. the very basic part of it because that's esports is coding. There's right, a component definitely. of that as well. Yeah, definitely. So, what kind of uh, success have you had so far? Can you do you have any data that would show that you, you've ha- you're having an impact on this population of kids? So, I think for us, um, our biggest indicator for the last 15 years are our kids being promoted on time and getting to graduation. Like for us, that's where we stopped, mm-hmm. right? And so we've had great success around that. Um, when we talk about uh, graduation, all of our kids have graduated. How many kids right? are we talking about here? So we're talking over 2,000-something kids. Wow. Right? We're talking about from, from that time period. And they've all graduated. They've all graduated. Now, all of our kids have not necessarily been promoted on time, but when we've 
catch you, right, it's important for us to figure out, like, what's happening, address that so you can get on track. And your goal is to get a high school diploma. We stopped there, and that's been because that's really the limit that we've had for the last 15 years. But now, with this collaboration of these organizations, we're able to take it farther and pass graduation. Um, And really, our goal would be to place individuals in college, full-time employment, vocational training, or the military. So now, graduation won't be our, our major outcome. It's just an indicator. Right. We have to get young people into these four areas so that they have the opportunity to be able to um, earn an income that can um, get them out of poverty. Or if they're not in poverty, to be able to um, to make them, um, what would I say, economic mobility, mm-hmm. right? to give them options. That's really what it is, to give them options to live the life that they want to live. And that's we have to get to these four areas. If not, high school diploma just doesn't do it anymore. Right. So tell us a little bit about your personal story. Mm-hmm. You um, are, like me, you're from Ohio. I am. And were you an athlete? Did you, were you involved in sports? I was. Um, I love sports. Um, I'm not a fanatic for any team, but I love sports just mm-hmm. in general. So um, high school, track, volleyball, um, Love those two, basketball as mm-hmm. well. So I love those three sports. Um, learned a lot of life skills through sports, a lot of great relationships through sports. And uh, Chris and John as well play sports. Um, Chris played it on um, European team, so he played professional. And uh, what, what, he, what sport? Basketball. Okay. And um, he traveled the world through sports. And then John uh, played um, at a collegiate level. And yeah. how did you grow up? Did you grow up in a disadvantaged environment and a... Um, well, some- I, you know, I would say that society probably would have said it was disadvantaged. But for me, I had an amazing childhood um, and really didn't know that we were considered low income until we moved into a home. And mm-hmm. when we moved into a home, and this is going to really sound crazy, I thought we were poor when we moved into the home because I didn't get my allowance anymore. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> however, you know, I, I think what I, um, I would say is that I really don't, I, I try not to put mm, titles on people. Mm-hmm. And I think what I understand more than anything is that it really doesn't make a difference where you come from, right? Because society would say my mom's single um, parent household that we lived in public housing, I would be put into a category, right? And I know my mom had different um, aspirations. Like every mother wants their children to be better than them. Um, Really just poured into us. And so um, that's how I grew up. But I grew up with strong values, strong family traditions that Mm -hmm. is... You know, this I'm 50, about to be 55. I continue to utilize what I learned then. But we stayed there for um, all of my elementary years. And then we moved out. Um, and then I, I, if I had to use societal uh, labels, I guess we would be considered middle class. And did you have an organization like the Skills Center that you depended on? Or was it was your family and your mom that that instilled these things in you? 
would say a combination of both. My family is pretty big. Uh, my mom's side of the family is pretty big. And so um, I would say that my sis- my cousins are almost as close to me as my sister and my brother because we kind of moved all together. We traveled together. We mm-hmm. went to camp together. We went to family camp, individual camp. But it was actually the YWCA. That was the organization that was um, where I lived growing up in elementary school. And um, I can remember Annie Brady. She was the indi- one individual that really poured in- into us. Um, but yeah, that was the one. Because it's funny that you say that because as you were talking about the Skills Center, it was kind of calling to mind like a YMCA or mm-hmm. YWCA kind of place yeah. where you're talking about, well, you said it's a safe place where the kids can go, where they can go and be with their peers and be with caring adults. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of what you're creating. Definitely. Definitely. I think so. I think for us, it's, it's um, I think our, our connection or our, our differences really simply would be that our goal is to place young people, right? Is to get you to a point where you are no longer in poverty. Mm-hmm. That's important to us. We work with all kids. So we work with kids from high income, middle, and low, right? And I think what sports does is sports is a great equalizer. So it's so much other things behind the scenes that's happening where these families of these kids, they're all interacting together, which you don't see that too often. Um, but I also believe that as we work with all kids, um, that every kid has something that they can get out of participating in the skill center, right? And so when we say at risk, I really believe like all kids are at risk now with social media and so many other things with mental health, right? That doesn't stop and only is in low income, right? That's income doesn't have anything to mm-hmm. do with it in a sense. So for us, we'll serve all kids, um, but we will have a very um, particular focus on the kids who um, are struggling, mm-hmm. right? And and or who do not have access and opportunity. That's important for us because we see the center really as that place that can provide that, but that where young people can come and acquire essential skills that they need. Uh, you think about like home home economics. I don't think they have that anymore. No. School, but that's how I learned how to sew, right? Like to change a tire, like those things that you needed to know is not there. Could we do that at the center? And when I talk about like services that are not necessarily in our school, those are the things I'm talking about. How do we give kids the skills that they need? Financial literacy. I was wondering if you do financial literacy. Yeah. So that is a program that you're doing. Yeah. And our whole concept really is, it's not for us to do it. It is to access what is in our community and how do we bring it to bear on common goals, right? If if African-American youth are at the bottom in reference to data on education, workforce, health, as a community, we all should be interested in making sure that that does not stay the same, right? And so we're partnering with corporations, with funders, right? Um, any type of system, school district, foster care, juvenile justice. How do we work together? Because TAPA is an amazing place. But I, how does every citizen have the opportunity to be able to, to touch or have access to the resources? What are some of the businesses that are participating? You have are there local businesses? When that you are- talk about financial literacy, um, Suncoast Credit Union. Okay. Um, not only ha- um, did they provide um, half a million dollars for the construction project, but we have access to their financial literacy um, curriculum. So it is at no cost to us that we get a state-of-the-art um, financial literacy program mm-hmm. in person, online, um, you know, on pace. It's a variety of different services that we're not 
paying for, right? This is how we create this this place because we don't have unlimited dollars. It's like, how do we get what we need? So Suncoast would be a great example um, of that for us. Any other corporations that are partners yeah, with you? Yeah, so Tampa Bay Lightning, the um, Outback um, steak, Steakhouse, um, and, and they're those they're financial supporters. They're financial supporters. And you us. were actually the Tampa Bay Lightning community hero, I think, very recently. Not was recently. That? It's been so a while. Years 20, ago. Okay. 20, 2015, I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2015. Well, that that raises a good point. You've been doing this for a number of years now. Uh, have you have you run across kids that you knew when they were? I don't know, elementary or high school, yeah. and now they're adults. And can can you talk yeah. about any of those? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, stories. I feel uh, pretty old when I run when I run across someone who have graduated already. But yeah, the kids who um, participated in our programs they come back and volunteer. So we have an opportunity, really, like to see like their lives and the young people who have children. Now they bring their children back to the skill center. Right. They call us if there's an issue. I feel like John, Chris and I feel sometimes like we are like the grandparents in a sense. <laughs> like, you know, I have an issue. My child is having, you know, you know, problems with math. Bring them in. Let's like let's figure it out. Right. So I feel it's, it's an honor to see young people who participated in your program come back once they're done with your program. And it's even very even more special when they bring their kids. Are, are these kids staying with you the whole time? You talked about helping second graders. Are they with the skill center until they graduate from high school? So it depends or? on what program you're in with us. So, for example, um, and I'll give you kind of currently um, the way that it works. So we we go from, we start at age three, we go to age 18. And then we have a variety of different programs along the spectrum of sports. Kids who do not participate in any type of sports with us, they're probably with us the least amount of time, mm-hmm. right? So they might, it, it might be a year, a school year, right? It might be just a summer, right? Or it could be multiple years. But kids who play um, um, travel team, so we have tra- 18 travel teams. Those kids, they start at second grade, and usually they stay with us until they graduate. Um, and our average is about seven years, about seven years they're with us. Wow. And so we really, the retention rate is amazing. These kids grow up together. They travel together. Their families really get to know who we are as an organization and what we can do. Um, so yeah, so we, it just really depends on what program you come into and what location dictates that. Who do they, who do they play against? What are the, the other teams that they're playing against? You said travel teams? All over the country. Oh, our kids travel all over the country. So, um, we have, um, the sports part of, of, of our organization, there's camps, there's training, there's leagues, and then at the very high level, there's travel teams. Hmm. And they travel and they compete second grade to 11th grade. They travel around the country. If you're just joining us, you're listening to WMNF Wavemakers with Janet and Tom. We're speaking with Celeste Roberts, president and CEO of the Skill Center, a nonprofit that is about to build a, or in the middle of building, a new uh, facility yeah. in East Tampa to help at-risk kids. If you have any questions, if you'd like to join our conversation, please call us at 813-2399-663 or email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. It occurs to me, Celeste, that some of the kids that you need to reach the most are might be the ones the hardest to reach because mm-hmm. they're they're not coming to you. Are mm-hmm. you... Or do you do you get referrals from teachers or administrators or other groups? Hey, this kid needs some help. 
So for the last 15 years, that really has just been a phone call for us. As we go into the new facility, the goal is to be able to, to be connected to um, systems that have kids in them. So the school district, to have a, a formal relationship agreement, referral process. With the school, Hillsborough With the school, school district, board, yeah. with mm-hmm. um, foster care, with juvenile justice, right? So where our kids wind up, we want them to be referred to us that way. Moving forward. I see. Yes. Um, we will be right back after this message. Hi, I'm Kenny Coogan. Join Annie Ellis and myself as we co-host the Sustainable Living Show here on your community-supported radio station, WMNF Tampa. On Sustainable Living, we bring you conversations with local experts on sustainable topics. Please come share with us every Monday morning at 11 in our talks about alternative energy sources, organic gardening, farming, and everything in between. Sustainability is a balance of people, profit, and planet. Together, we will make a difference. This is Walter Elspeth II, the host of the Sunday Forum. Each and every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m., the Fourth Estate and I do research and have intelligent conversation with each and every one of you. And we love it. We love bringing you the best in radio programming here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. Sunday Forum, always a great show. So lots of great music on WMNF and also uh, lots of great news and public affairs on WMNF. You mentioned that you have a lot of volunteers and you used to have even more volunteers. Uh, So uh, can you tell us about how folks can get involved with the Skills Center? Definitely. So um, I think the best way is to go through our website um, at theskillscenter.org. That would be the first place where you could um, express your interest in um, volunteering for us. But I'll say also, so depending on your commitment, we are a non-for-profit. We are governed by a board, so our board are, are volunteers. We also have committees um, as well that um, individuals from corporations can participate on. And I don't want to say all the way down, but then all the way to the other side where there's coaches, um, tutors that's needed, right? Um, The life skill coaches as well. And so I think a great place would be just to fill out the form on our website. And And the the website again is? TheSkillCenter.org. And you have a, uh, a fundraiser coming up later this year, right? Tell us about that. We do. So we have a variety of different fundraisers coming up this year. Um, $23 million facility needs lots of support. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, so the Sneakers Ball. The Sneakers Ball is our signature event. Um, this is where you dress up in your you know, your formal attire, but your tennis shoes are the, the stars of your outfit. Um, and then we come <laughs> and we have a really good time. Um, it is the way in which we uh, raise money to support the mission that we have. Um, we also, um, coming in May, we have the May Day Hoop Fest, and this is the way in which we um, raise money. Um, we do not, this is um, our sports costs based on your ability to pay. So if you can pay, you pay. Talked about high income Mm -hmm. and middle, right? But if you cannot pay, then we cover the cost. And so we have a fundraiser in which we raise money and we put that in a, in a, pot and we cover um, any barriers that prevent young people from participating in sports. So that might be a registration fee, that might be equipment, uniform costs or whatever that is. That's what our organization or if a kid is in our organization and participate in another organization as well. Um, we got a caller on the line. Let's um, go to the phones. This is um, Will. Will, you're on the line. What's on your mind? 
Yes, good morning all, and uh, the wonderful host you have here. I'm actually fortunate enough to meet your host doing the wonderful work through Tampa Organization of Black Affairs. I met her again yesterday. I was the 43rd annual co-host, but I just want to go out of my way to sing the praises of the skilled tender doing impactful work with my brother Hartfield for Serenity Village. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to say much, but again, thank you so much, sister, for providing our community in the greater Tampa Bay area with so much wealth. Well, Tobe is a great organization. We appreciate all the work you all do. Oh, thank you. I'm not even calling. I wish I was on behalf. I know Gary Hartfield is a board member there, but I was just selected to speak on behalf. I don't want to speak out of place, but I do have firsthand experience and can testify of the great work that the Skill Center does perform in the greater Tampa Bay area. You have firsthand experience. Please tell us. What was your firsthand experience? Oh, no, being told about the work, saying the top-down, her yep. integrity is unrivaled. I know that some of these organizations are very top-heavy when it comes to asset expenditures, but I know that she is very much so intended and impactful to make sure the money makes its way to the children. All the work that she is, she's very visible. I'm so sorry to be droning on. I don't want to speak out of place, though, but I just want everyone that hears my voice to know that I'm excited for it to be built that uh, the sneaker gala is going to be great. I've got my tickets all procured. Uh, <laughs> support this I'm sorry to be droning on, but again, no, that's okay. a wonderful work system. Thank, Thank you all for having me, and uh, have a great morning all. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Will. Where is the um, sneakers ball going to be this year? In our facility. Oh, great. So right. this will be... A, we have an event space. Why would we go any other place? Makes sense. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, so you you still are seeking volunteers, and if people want to want to join the organization they can join in any capacity in terms of tutoring coaches athletics and all that sort of Mm -hmm. thing they can join in and we always need help in our special events as well and so it really is um we try to allow volunteers to um you know join us in the area in which they would like to and have the biggest impact and so again the best way is to fill out the form that's on our website and then we'll be right back in contact with you okay and um tell me about the other you talked about the sneakers ball but the other fundraiser what kind of event is that so the mayday hoop fest is um mayday hoop fest tournament it's a basketball tournament tournament we have about 100 teams that come across this from the state um and they come to compete um on a weekend and the money that we raise from that it really is for us we made a commitment um, that we would not deny a young person's um, ability to participate with us in sports. And so we have a pot of money that we set aside to really eliminate barriers, not only for um, our travel team, but we have a girls program called Tampa Yes. And our goal is to eliminate barriers for young people. We think sports is a very um, impactful activity, uh, beneficial activity. And so that money is to eliminate any barriers that young people have. Tampa Yes is specifically for girls? Specifically for girls. We Our goal is to work with minority girls to get them um, active, physically active. And we also focus on social and emotional learning with them as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, why don't you give the website one more time for folks who want to find the website and perhaps... And a phone um, number if you have. And a phone number if people would like to um, donate or um, volunteer. All right. So our website is the skills, S-O skills, center.org. And our phone number is area code 813-703-1324. And I noticed you're also on Twitter. So they're at the skills center. 
And Facebook. And Facebook. And LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thanks for being with us, Celeste. And thanks to all of you who um, called and emailed. And thanks for everyone for um, listening in. Let's go out um, with just a few more voices from those folks at the MLK Day uh, celebration yesterday. Larissa Wright. I'm with the Hillsborough Democrats. The first thing that comes to mind with me is just what MLK represents, just the dream, uh, the, the, the idea that he represents, that we have a dream and our skin color shouldn't matter, that, you know, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. And not just here in the U.S., you know, me being first generation, I'm a proud Jamaican-American throughout the world. Just, you know, our, our rights. My name is Kyle Hopewell. I'm the Associate Director of Communications at Ultimate Medical Academy. This is a special occasion we get to come together in the spirit of unity and togetherness just like Dr. King in order to celebrate his legacy and the immeasurable impact that he left not only on the uh, United States but the world itself. And what's the vibe here today? What's the and the, the atmosphere like? The, the, the vibe is fun. The atmosphere is amazing. It's great to see all these other groups out here. And then also at Ultimate Medical Academy, most of our team members work remotely. So this is a great opportunity for us to be able to come together and see each other in person. My name is Karen. Today is just a massive celebration around one of the greatest figures in our, in our American history. Martin Luther King was someone that you can never really express the impact that he has had on our country, on our being a united America. And Martin Luther King is a person that always had good in his heart and good intent, and he always brought that forward. And so to celebrate him is a pleasure and an opportunity for our world to celebrate him. Louis Pardo, I'm here with the USA group. For us, Martin Luther King Day, for our family, just it really signifies um, his service to our nation and to uh, to our world. So, for us, it's time to kind of for us to recognize that service and and uh, reflect how we enact that service here in our family. So, always great to kind of support everybody, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful day. Have you been in the parade before? This is our first time. We do, we moved to Tampa not too long ago, and uh, and so this is our first time, and we're incredibly excited about it. And have you been in a parade like an MLK Day parade in the past? Uh, we've been to similar, uh, yeah, similar marches like this, uh, but this is this is a whole new level right here.